Hey, I'm Zanzi and welcome to Farmer's Inside Track episode 193. I'm your host, Dornum Du. In this edition, Paul Kim, the co-founder of PeopleFlow, a software company that develops paperless HR solutions for blue-collar enterprises, talks about how to build a successful business on purpose versus profit. Paul Kim, it's so great to have you with us here on Farmers Inside Track. I'm always, you know, excited to talk to you because you have so many innovative ideas. It's so great to have you here with us. We've featured you before and now we're actually chatting and talking in person once again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invite, Dawn. It's always good to be here. Now, you have a very specific, you know, talking point in terms of people within the agricultural sector, not just doing it for profit, but also having a purpose behind why they do what they do. Maybe just to contextualize um, this and also just share farmers once again what the sentiment is actually all about. I don't think it's only relevant to farmers. I think it's business as a whole. We're kind of shifting away from this idea that the purpose of business is only to generate profit. Shareholder maximization, uh, which uh, economists in the 1970s put forward as the main thing that businesses should do. But as we see in the world, we're starting to realize that is insufficient. And the reason why it's insufficient is, use this analogy of a vehicle, the purpose of a car is not to keep its tank full of fuel. No one buys a car, the sole goal of making sure that their tank is always full of fuel. You buy a car because you want to do things with it. You want to go to destinations. And so I think that what needs to happen is, or what is critical for business is, yes, it needs profit because that allows you to continue to move towards your purpose, but it also needs a purpose because inevitably that's a destination that you're pointing your business at. And without that, it becomes incredibly difficult to make long-term good decisions. What do you say no to? What do you say yes to? What do you put money into? What do you close down and move on from? And all of that becomes almost impossible unless you have a clear purpose. So you've broken it down into very clear elements, you know, kind of explaining what we should be understanding, you know, as we conceptualize this and understand it from as business people within the sector. Let's start with purpose as a muscle. So this was born out of my discussions with many people on this. And I realized that a lot of them thought that they would wake up and realize their purpose. It doesn't happen that way. And that's why I say it's like a muscle. It takes time for you to strengthen it, for it to feel like you can coordinate the muscles and use it. And so just to set expectations with everyone, like you start, you keep doing your reps, you keep exercising, you stretch it, you ex- what you would normally do if you wanted to do a pull-up, and it will take time. So don't be too disillusioned or disheartened if you don't discover your purpose or a purpose immediately overnight. You also said that it's contextual. Maybe you can just explain that as well. Yeah, so I think the easiest one is probably to think about a farm, a big farm out in a rural area. Like one of your key purposes may relate to the produce. You want to create high quality, dependable produce at a great price so that South Africans can have good food on their plate. But if you live in a very rural area, you're often part of the governmental infrastructure. And so a secondary purpose, equally important, is a provider of jobs, but also a steward of uh, communal structures. And that is, I don't think, any less of a purpose than your primary purpose or your initial purpose around clients and projects. And then you also spoke about purpose is also based on assumptions. I think the question around purpose is really difficult to answer unless you've answered some other questions first. So something basic like what is the purpose of life? Forget about business. What is the purpose of life in general? What happens to you after you die? If everything kind of goes belly up and no one remembers anything, then it doesn't really matter what you do this side of your death. What is the purpose of work? Why is everyone working? Is it to gain as many toys as possible? Because that obviously will impact the way you think about your business. And what is business? Forget about your business specifically. What is the purpose of business? Is it about creating monopolies? Is it about competing and winning? 
All of that is impacts the way you think about the purpose for your business. Just commenting on that, it also means that you have to spend a lot of time thinking about it and actually understanding it. And it doesn't just happen as like you know it from day one and then you go with it. I don't see how you can genuinely work on your purpose without taking some time to reflect and think because if you're moving so fast, usually you're taken in by your context and it requires you to withdraw from your context to think about these things. No, definitely. You also spoke about purpose is sustained by competence. I mean, just goes without saying, if you're not making any progress on your purpose, then at some point you need to think about whether or not it is truly your calling. If no one is buying shows to your comedy performance, um, then probably you're not meant to be a comedian. And so, yes, it's all really good and well to have this altruistic desire, this ideal. But if it's not progressing, you should go back to the drawing board. And then just back to the initial statements around profit is purpose. Maybe you can just share that point as well. Profit and purpose. I think they go hand in hand. They play different functions. One's the fuel tank and the other is the, the steering wheel. You also spoke about purpose and decision making being another element. Yeah. At some point, and probably for many people quite early on in the business, you've got competing options. Should I invest in this product? Should I invest in that product? Should I spend more money here? Should I not spend money there? And it becomes really difficult to know where to put your money unless you have a clear purpose. I mean, Woolies relative to a shop ride, relative to a can pick and pay, Woolies is premium. They're high quality, sustainable, premium goods and services. And they're not going to go into the low end because they know what their purpose is. And again, it's because they have that purpose in mind. And then another thing that you've highlighted is when you think about your purpose, it's not just one thing. You have multiple purposes. Maybe if you can just break that down for us as well. It's based on this idea that purpose is also determined through relationships. Use a comedian example again. Like if you think you're funny, how do you know you're funny? You can't just go into a forest and tell a joke because like there's no feedback. You have to go tell it to other people. And if they laugh at you, maybe that's a good sign that you're funny. And so you need other people in order to determine your purpose because they resonate back to you. They reverberate back to you whether you're on the right track or not. And the reason why I say that is and why it relates to multiple purposes is you have many different people in your life with different roles. So if you just look at your business, you have clients, you have employees, you have investors, you have service providers, and you've got the community that you operate in. And each is a slightly different stakeholder or very different stakeholder and requires a different purpose. And when you get this wrong, when you elevate one above everything, you have something like Amazon, where the delivery van program that is supposed to create entrepreneurship opportunities is driven so hard by these logistic algorithms that some of the drivers are having to carry around bottles to pee into. And that comes, or that is the fruit of elevating client convenience above everything else. So in order to stay away from the toxic effects of idolizing one above the other, you do need to maintain a number of purposes for the different stakeholders in your life. The biggest drive is also, you know, what makes you successful as a person? What, what do you define as successful? And maybe you could just tell us about how we should be thinking about this in that way. So I think the first thing I want to say is you have to define success up front. That will allow you to know how much you're willing to pay in order to achieve that, that, that success. I used to have a narrow definition of success and it was related to the success or financial and related uh, success thereof of my first company. And when that came uh, tumbling down, I started to realize that there are other things that I should value in my life and hold in equal tension as I pursued a financial success. So something simple like being able to work on the problems that you want to work on instead of having to work a job because you have to. 
Now, I understand there's a lot of South Africans who are in that position. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have the opportunity to not do so, you're defining success by how much money you're making as opposed to the type of work that you're doing, as an example. Family is also important. Uh, We just uh, had our firstborn a couple of weeks ago, and being a parent is new. And so I want to define success by being available and being present with my children. And that obviously has a trade-off elsewhere. And so success for me is multifactorial, a lot of things that have to be held in tension. For me, that is true success as it relates to my life. I don't know if enough people think about this, but it almost seems like a luxury in that way. What would you say to convince someone to actually spend some time and actually sit with this and think and reflect in a way to be able to be more happy? Really challenging world to do that in because so much is being shoved in your face from social media to adverts on the TV to the Joneses next door that are buying their next BMW and upgrading all of that. It's so difficult to kind of uh, retract and really think about what do you want out of life? What would make you truly content? And truly content is a difficult thing because if you get to a certain age, you start realizing the stuff that make you short-term happy is like buying sweets the whole time. At some point, your body starts failing and it's difficult to get off that addiction. If you are a child that grew up with lots of sweets in the house, all this junk food, when you transition into adulthood, it's not easy to eat broccoli. You kind of have to do this in a community. So people around you that you respect, that you see that their lives are beautiful, that they are taking this alternative route. Go sit around them, understand the decisions that they've made, the trade-offs that they've made, and kind of let them rub off on you. If you want to start exercising, go find a gym bunny, right? That's the easiest way to change. It's very difficult to do it on your own. But it needs to be done because sooner or later, you'll find yourself at uh, retirement and then you'll realize what was it all for. I recently came across this uh, tweet and I can't remember which survey or research house produced this. But basically, the biggest regret of most people on their deathbeds was that they worked too hard. And I can guarantee you it's because they didn't take the time to define early up front what is success and what is purpose for them. Maybe just as a final comment, how often should you be doing that? If you're in your early stages of life, you know, you're not really thinking about it. And then as you go to the second part of your life, which you spoke about briefly, you, know, you kind of start thinking about it or not. I don't know. Um, but how often should we actually be doing these check-ins? They're these deep reflective check-ins where you want to take out a day or two to really think about it, maybe once a year for that. But as with any plan, you don't make the plan and then you put it in the cupboard and then you walk away. You want to revisit it. And what happens over time is if this process is working out for you, it actually becomes easier and easier because the purposes that you set up as you get feedback from your stakeholders become more and more solid. And so the second and third year of continuing, it becomes quicker and quicker to know, oh, It's a very easy no for me. Like I'm at a stage of my life as I've started my new venture vehicles and my consulting vehicle, I know exactly what to say no to and what to say yes to. And that's because I've put 12 years in figuring out, you know, what am I called to work on? So there's exciting fintech opportunities that serve this type of market. As excited as I am in fintech, no, I'm not called to serve the creative market. I'm served to call blue collar worker. So that was an easy no for me. Don't want to get involved. It comes with time and practice, but it does get easier over time. I'm recalling a very interesting podcast that I'd listened to about not really knowing what your future self would want. How do you sort of bring this into the conversation and, and specifically around this conversation around purpose and how it changes over time and what you will sort of define it as in 10 years, 20 years time, 30 years time? So I love that question. But this idea of future self is kind of taking center stage from behavioral economics. And it's one of the ways in which you can help someone think about their retirement. Coronation a couple of years ago did an ad where a boy looking into the mirror saw a grandfather. 
if you are struggling for purpose, the worst thing you can do is to limit your options for the future. So here's an example. Debt is mortgaging your future for today. If you don't know what you want to do when you're later on, why would you reduce your optionality? If you believe you're going to be wiser at some point, you should make sure that you've got more resources for the wiser version to use. You'd want to save more. You'd want to spend less. Not because you're saying no to joy. You're saying yes to joy because the wiser version of you will know what to really pursue. Unfortunately, debt consumption, normal consumption, we trap ourselves earlier on with these things that look like they're enjoyable, sweets. But then we get to a point later on where actually it's impossible to enjoy broccoli and that's a big problem. Paul, it's been great chatting to you and I can probably talk to you all day and pick your brain and have these types of conversations and it's so vital to be able to share it with our audience. Maybe just the last comment and something that you'd like to leave us with. I think we are seeing around us the collapse of society, collapse brought on by unsustainable practices. We see it in business, moving from profit maximization to ESG mandates, triple bottom line, all of that. We're starting to see the effects of our business practices on the environment. It's really, really detrimental. We're starting to see the effects of our selfish family desires. Population growth is collapsing in a lot of developed countries where there's a lot of wealth. And I would just caution everyone before you pick up the next autobiography or the next business book about how to do business, just remember those models are proving to be not working. So really think through what is the next generation of models for how to do life because the current set is just not working for our planet. And that brings us to the end of this edition. It's always a pleasure chatting to you, Paul Kim. He's, of course, the co-founder of PeopleFlow, a software company that develops paperless HR solutions for blue-collar enterprises. From Ido Numdu, our producer Megan van der Vent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.